Heavenly Father Yahweh, we come before you. We thank you, Father, for another blessing to be able to gather here at night together. Father, we pray that you just guide us through this word, Father. Let the Spirit just lead us and lead us to all truth, Father. Father, I thank you for all this fellowship in here, Father. I thank you for all the blessings you bestow upon us, Father. You are a great God. You are the Almighty and worthy as the Lamb. Father, we thank you for everything. We are so grateful. I pray all these things through Jesus' name to you, Yahweh, the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Amen. Amen. Let me get the uh, thing pulled up on the screen. Makes it easier. I know we're in number eight. We'll start in Numbers 8, and it's verse 1 through 1216. All right. So Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to Aaron and say to him, When you ascend to trim the lamps, <clears throat> let the seven lamps give light in front, or in front of the lampstand. And Aaron did so. He set up the lamps to face toward the front of the lampstand, as Yahweh commanded Moshe. And this is the work of the lampstand, beaten work of gold. From its base to its blossoms, it is beaten work. According to the pattern which Yahweh had shown Moshe, so he made the lampstand. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Take the Levites from among the children of Israel, and you shall cleanse them, and do this to them to cleanse them. Sprinkle water of sin offering on them, and they shall shave all their body, and shall wash their garments and cleanse themselves. And shall take a young bull with its grain offering, a fine flour mixed with oil, while you take another young bull as a sin offering, and you shall bring the Levites before the tent of appointment. And you shall assemble the con all the congregation of the children of Israel, and you shall bring the Levites before Yahweh, and the children of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites. And Aaron shall wave the Levites before Yahweh, a wave offering from the children of, children of Israel. So shall they be doing, or be for doing the service of Yahweh. And the Levites shall lay their hands on the heads of the young bulls, and one shall be prepared as a sin offering, and the other as an ascending offering to Yahuwah to make atonement for the Levites. And you shall have the Levites stand before Aaron and his sons, and then wave them a wave offering to Yahuwah. Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the children of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. Then after the Levites shall go in to do the service, in the tent of appointment, 
when you have cleansed them and waved them as a wave offering, for they are given ones, given to me from the children of Israel. I have taken them for myself instead of all those who open the womb, the firstborn of all the children of Israel. For all the firstborn among the children of Israel are mine, both man and beast. And on the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Mitzrayim, I set them apart unto myself. And I have taken the Levites instead of all the firstborn children of Israel. And I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the children of Israel to do the service of the children of Israel in the tent of appointment and to make atonement for the children of Israel, that there, that there be no plague among the children of Israel when the children of Israel come near the set-apart place. Thus Moshe and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel did to the Levites according to all that Yahweh commanded Moshe concerning the Levites, so the children of Israel did to them. And the Levites cleansed themselves and washed their garments, and Aaron waved them a wave offering before Yahuwah. And Aaron made atonement for them to cleanse them. Then after the Levites went in to do their service in the tent of appointment before Aaron and his sons, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe concerning the Levites, so they did to them. And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe, saying, This applies to the Levites. From 25 years old and above, let him come into active service in the service of the tent of appointment. And at the age of 50 years, they retire from active service of the service and serve no more. But they shall attend with their brothers in the tent of appointment to guard the duty, but shall do no service. Thus you shall do to the Levites regarding their duties. So they all serve till they're 50. Awesome. Yes. I think I think there was a a clause that was introduced later that was like if need be they could serve for a little bit longer. Yeah, because wasn't uh Zachariah John the Baptist's father, he was older. Yeah, and he was actually doing yeah, they're way older. Service because he was he was behind the veil, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in the course of uh, Abijah or Abiyah. And yeah. And what does it say they started serving? Twenty five. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which is funny because that's five years even after. That's five years even after the uh, age of accountability. Right. What makes me think is when um, he took him as the you know the firstborn, right? <clears throat> of among you know all the tribes and stuff, and it just. Uh, I'll have to bring it up later because I know we're going to get this thing. and then uh, but it just made it reminds me of like maybe when the first resident um, in Revelation 20 I saw it says blessed are the saints that take part in the first resurrection for the second death has no power for them 
And then we read in Ezekiel where, you know, the Levites are serving in the temple. And he said he was going to bring them back, you know, to keep charge of the sanctuary. Just curious. Interesting. That is interesting. That's been a topic. The uh, what? Levites. The Levites. The book of Ezekiel. That's been a topic that I've been talking about on Facebook. Yeah. It says it in Isaiah too. I would take some for priests and some for Levites. Very. I think it's Isaiah sixty-six twenty-three. I think. Uh, says now uh, sixty six twenty one it says and I will also take of them for the for priests and for Levites saith the Lord so because they will be put on earth. We're going to get you better Wi-Fi one of these days. Who, me? Yeah. Is it me? Am I cutting out? A little bit. All right. I'm trying. There's a house full of kids in there, and I, there's no way I can go in there. Oh, I don't. I don't like he's over then. <laughs> yeah. They're loud. All right. Keep on going. Just Anybody else got something? Miss Tana, you got something? Uh, remember last week I told you that um, it's, it's from 25 to 60, but it starts at 30 to 50. And after they turn 60, they do. After they turn 50, they start lightweight around the temple. They don't do as much heavyweight around the temple no more. And then 60, mm. it's at their own choice. Mm. Well, there you go. I think if that was my duty, I'd, I'd choose to hang around. I would tell you, what's the lady's name in the Bible that um, she stayed, she dedicated her life to the temple, and she never left the temple after a certain age? Oh, He's in there somewhere. Was it the... Uh, uh, um, the one that spoke to Yeshua's parents? I'm not sure she spoke to his parents or not. He's from the tribe of Asher. I know there's the lady that, like, Yahweh promised her that, like, she would see the Messiah's day before she died or whatever. And, like, so he spoke to them when they came to dedicate him. 
You talking about uh, Simeon? No. No, he did not oh, a man and a woman. What's her name? I can't. I, I ain't good with stuff like that. But I, I know. Deborah. Deborah, yeah. De yeah. Is it Deborah? I think so. And there, uh, there's another one. Um, um, there's one in the New Testament that she was from the tribe of Asher. Yeah, so it was De Deborah, Deborah. Yep. My my real body. No, you said Deborah. You're you're cutting in. It. It's you. You can hear what you're saying. It's just choppy. I'm a choppy guy. <laughs> and then Anna was from uh, the tribe of Asher. Um, and she served in the temple in the New Testament. So that would indicate that the 10 tribes weren't lost forever. <laughs> well, none of the tribes are going to be lost forever. Exactly. Well, there's that teaching. There's like 10 lost tribes. They did, They went somewhere and nobody knew where they, they never came back. Yeah, people came back. Anna in uh, Luke it's Anna yep it's right after Simeon uh, it talks yep. about Anna doesn't, just, doesn't it say she's from the tribe of Asher yeah the daughter of Phanuel yeah, yeah. she's a prophetess advanced in age having lived with a husband only seven years and then was widowed until age 84 Never left the temple, serving night and day with fasting and prayers. Wow! Y'all pray for our power to come back on. Please. Yeah. I, can hear, I can hear that storm. Yeah. Is the microwave power in the? Maybe it isn't. I don't know. But I lost, I lost my power. Like, it's off the charger. Like, the courts aren't working. Sorry. All right. Numbers nine. <clears throat> Got me some water. Feeling better. <laughs> Yahweh spoke to Moshe in the wilderness of Sinai. In the first new month, of the second year after they had come out of the land of Mitzrayim, saying, Now let the children of Israel perform the Pesach at its appointed time. On the fourteenth day of this month, between the evenings, perform it at its appointed times, according to all its laws and right rulings, you perform it. And Moshe spoke to the children of Israel to perform the Pesach. So they performed the Pesach on the fourteenth day of the first month. 
between the evenings in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that Yahweh commanded Moshe. So the children of Israel did. But there were men who were defiled for a being of a man, so that they were not able to perform the Pesach on that day. So they came before Moshe and Aaron that day, and those men said to him, We are defiled for the being of a man. Why are we withheld from bringing near the offering of Yahuwah at its appointed time among the children of Israel? And Moshe said to them, Wait, let me hear what Yahuwah commands concerning you. And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, When any male of you or your generations is unclean for a being, or is far away on a journey, he shall still perform the Pesach of Yahuwah on the 14th day of the second new month. Between the evenings, they perform it. With unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they eat it. They do not leave of it until morning, and they do not break a bone of it. According to all the laws of the Pesach, they perform it. But the man who is clean and is not on a journey and has failed to perform the Pesach, that same being shall be cut off from among his people, because he did not bring the offering of Yahweh at its appointed time. That man bears his sin. And when a sojourner sojourns among you, then he shall perform the Pesach of Yahweh. He shall do so according to the law of the Pesach and according to its right ruling. You have one law, both for the sojourner and the native of the land. And on the day that the dwelling place was raised up, the cloud covered the dwelling place, the tent of the witness. From evening until morning, it was above the dwelling place like the appearance of fire. Thus it was continually. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tent, after that the children of Israel would depart. And in the place where the cloud dwelt, there the children of Israel would camp. At the mouth of Yahuwah, the children of Israel departed and at the command of Yahuwah, they camped. They remained camped as long as the cloud dwelt above the dwelling place. Even the cloud lingered many days above the dwelling place. The children of Israel guarded the charge of Yahuwah and did not depart. And so it was, when the cloud was above the dwelling place a few days, according to the mouth of Yahuwah, they camped. And according to the mouth of Yahuwah, they would depart. And so it was, when the cloud dwelt only from evening until morning, when the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they departed, whether by day or by night. Whenever the cloud was taken up, they departed, whether two days or a month or a year, that the cloud lingered above the dwelling place to dwell upon it, the children of Israel camped and did not depart. But when it was taken up, they departed. At the mouth of Yahweh they camped, and at the mouth of Yahweh they departed. They guarded the charge of Yahweh at the mouth of Yahuwah, by the hand of Moshe. That last one right there. <laughs> they guarded the charge of Yahuwah, of the Most High, at the mouth of the Most High, by the hand of Moshe. Just like we guard the charge of Yahuwah, the Most High, at the mouth of Yahuwah, the Most High. By the hand of Yeshua. <laughs> what do you mean? Keep. Keep is to guard. Guard the commandments. Yeah. Guard the, guard the commands. Keep, guard. Yep. And it's by doing that, you're actually guarding your heart. You know, against deception. 
Um, you're guarding your very being from wickedness. <laughs> yeah, that's how he. That's how he circumcises your heart. Yeah. Um, I was going to point out that you know the second Passover. Um, there's a couple things I got to say about this one. I remember when we read in um, the Septuagint where it talks about you know, Jesus coming back at the Feast of Passover. But it doesn't say that in the Masoretic text. Yeah. And then, it also says in Matthew, it says, uh, learn the parable of the fig tree when you know that summer is near. You know? Because that would be, you know, going towards summer would be the second Passover, you know what I'm saying? And and then our Messiah couldn't really keep the Passover that year because he was the Passover. So he would have been, you know, that person that went on a journey afar off, you know, or was, you know, he died. So he couldn't attend that one. I wonder if he kept the, uh, the second Passover. Or maybe he's come back at the second Passover. That's another thing I was going to get to. That's what I was thinking as soon as you started saying that. Yeah, that's one of my that's been one of my uh, my thoughts for the past five or six years that he's coming back at the second Passover. You know, because the wheat is gathered and put into his barn, right? I mean, that would be like the the feast of first fruits, you know, at the wheat harvest. Because you had the barley harvest, and then you got the wheat harvest and shovel out. It's pretty, it's just interesting. The barley is gathered at first fruits. Like, you, yeah, you, you said it right. Yeah. Just something to think about. Like, I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. But, you know, and it also says that he went off on a, it's like the kingdom of God is like a man that went off on a long journey and left talents with his servants, you know, and some produced and some didn't. And when he came back, he was like, you know, would, would you uh, turn that into some gold or what? You know, and he was mad at the one that didn't do anything. Yep, paying alms. You pay alms, we can your yeah. store here on earth or in heaven. Yeah, um, it says a multitude of sins are forgiven to somebody, are forgiven of somebody who brings somebody to the truth. It covers a multitude of sins, you know. So, just stuff to think about. Oh, that's the other thing I want to bring up is um, Eusebius of Caesarea. I think I read that to you guys for, I read that to y'all before about the two Passovers. Can I read it real quick, Dustin? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, let me find it real quick. It's right. Hold on a second. All right, here it is. 
All right, here we go. This is uh, this is Eusebius Accessory in the fourth century. He wrote Church History on the Keeping of Easter. It's a letter to the Emperor Constantine uh, and to all those not present at the Council, the Council of Nicaea. It's a question to the it was universally thought that it would be more convenient that all should keep the feast on one day. For what could be more beautiful, more desirable, than to see this festival through which we receive the hope of immortality, celebrated by all with one accord in the same? It was declared to be particularly unworthy for this, the holiest of festivals, to follow the custom of the Jews, who had soiled their hands with the most fearful of crimes and whose minds were blinded in rejecting their custom, we may transmit to our descendants the legitimate mode, legitimate mode of celebrating Easter, which we have observed from the time of our Savior's passion to the present day. According to the day of the week, we ought not therefore have anything in common with the Jews for the Savior has shown me a more legitimate and convenient course in the order of the days of the week. And consequently, in unanimously adopting this mode, we desire, dearest brethren, to separate ourselves from the detestable company of the Jews, for it is truly shameful for us to hear them boast that without their directions, we could not keep the feast. How can they be in right they who after the death of our Savior have no longer been led by reason, but by wild violence, as their delusion may urge them. They do not possess the truth in this Easter question, for in their blindness and repugnance to all improvements, they frequently celebrate two Passovers in the same year. We could not imitate those who are openly in error, how then can we follow Jews who are most certainly blinded by error? For to celebrate the Passover twice in one year is totally inadmissible. But even if this were not so, it would be still your duty not to tarnish your soul by communications with such wicked people. Boy, with that guy, that guy was pretty off. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. We just read that if you can't keep the first Passover, then you can keep the second one. Plus, he he was showing a more uh, he uh, he was showing a different way. There's only one way. I think there's a scripture about that. It's it's like stand away from me. I'm too holy for you. For the Lord to show me another way. And tells you to beware of those people. If anybody wants that, I'll, I'll put it in the, in the chat. It's, it's from an old writing. What do y'all think of that one? He was off, brother. <laughs> he was off. He, yeah. 
for me, he was out. You ever heard of um a Galilee, uh, the Galilean Last Supper? They had a tradition where they had a Last Supper before the Passover because they didn't, when Passover started, they started on living bread then. So they didn't right. on no bread. So they did it the night before. I think I have heard something like that too. That's what we did yeah. this year, Miss Tammy. Yeah. You remember a while back when I was telling y'all? It's been a little while back. You might not remember. I was telling y'all that there was something about Passover in the Galilean. And I kept saying, why did they keep going? Why did Yeshua go straight back to Galilee when he rose? And that's when he started showing me that about the super, the last super in Galilean tradition. Whether it was that or them keeping second Passover, church history, the writer of church history was a little off. You know, that was my wife had bought me this book. It was about um, basically church history. It was made by the Rose Publishing. And that's one of the first people that I looked at in this journey. I was like, well, here's a guy right here. He wrote church history. <laughs> I go check him out. And I found all this stuff. And I'm like, well, wait a second. The same week that I found them letters, I actually read Numbers 9-11. And it was one of those, oh, my gosh, wait a second. <laughs> you know, this guy's wrong. It's pretty, pretty cool. There's always... The truth is always out there. The Bible says, seeking you'll find. That's right. Study the show thyself approved. Yep. You can find the truth. You can find the truth out of reading some error. As soon as you go back to, to the father's word, it's going to come out. You know, if you're seeking, it's going to come out for sure. But most most people feel like they don't have to keep the Passover anymore, or, you know, but you're going to do it in the future. Why not practice it now? I think it's a beautiful festival. This whole season, all the way up to Shavuot, because tomorrow is when the Father gives him a, a portion, a bigger portion of the spirit, you know, like renews that spirit. It's the renewing of the spirit year after year. Remember what they did? They had to do once they got that spirit. He yep. sent them out into all nations. That's right. It's like every year you get renewed at Shavuot and you, you go out and you keep proclaiming the kingdom. Kingdom of Heaven. 
Yeah, keep planting seeds. Name. Yeah. Just keep planting them seeds. That's all we got to do is keep planting them seeds. The Father will bring the increase. Guess them seeds would be like the talents, you know. He showed me something last night. I, I'm not a dreamer, but when I dream, I know it's from the Father. And I dream that me and my daddy was fishing, and he threw out first. And we sat there and we talked a little bit, and he said, I believe I'm ready for you to throw out now. And I throwed out, and we started catching fish. When we got back to the house, I said, Daddy, what you want me to help you do? He said, you done your job, baby. You helped catch them. I do the cleaning. Oh. <laughs> that was That's a fucking to me. That's a good one right there, Miss Damon. Oh. But do you dream? What was that, Miss Tammy? I said, them dreams that you have of your loved ones that's gone when you have them again, you start missing them all over again. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that, you guys. We ready to go to town. I am. Thumbs up. All right. <clears throat> this is Yahweh spoke to Moshe saying, Make two silver trumpets for yourself. Make them of beaten work, and you shall use them for the gathering of the congregation and for breaking camp. And when they blow both of them, all the congregation shall meet before you at the door of the tent of appointment. And if they blow one, then the leaders, the heads of the thousands of Israel, shall gather to you. And when you blow a shout, the camps that lie on the east side shall depart. And when you blow a shout the second time, the camps that lie on the south side shall depart. They blow a shout for them to depart. And when the assembly is to be assembled, you blow, but do not shout. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, blow the trumpets, and it shall be to you for a law forever throughout your generations. And when you go into battle in your land against the enemy that distresses you, then you shall shout with the trumpets, and you shall be remembered before Yahweh, your Elohim, and you shall be saved from your enemies. And in the day of your gladness, 
and in your appointed times, and at the beginning of your new months, you shall blow the trumpets over your ascending offerings and over your slaughterings of peace offerings, and they shall be a remembrance for you before your Elohim. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. And it came to be on the 20th day of the second month in the second year that the cloud was taken up from above the dwelling place of the witness. And the children of Israel departed, setting out from the wilderness of Sinai, and the cloud dwelt on it in the wilderness of Paran. Thus they departed the first time, according to the mouth of Yahweh by the hand of Moshe, and the banner of the camp of the children of Judah, or Yehuda, departed first according to their divisions. And over their army was Nashon, son of Amenadab, and over the army of the tribe of the children of Yisachar was Nathaniel, son of Tzuar, and over the army of the tribe of the children of Zebulun was Eliab, son of Halon, and the dwelling place was taken down. And the sons of Gershon and the sons of Merari departed, bearing the dwelling place. And the banner of the camp of Reuben departed according to their divisions. And over their army was Elitzer, son of Shedir. And over the army of the tribe of the children of Shimon was Shalumiel, son of Surishadai. And over the army of the tribe of the children of Gad was Eliasaph the son of Deuel, and the Kehathites departed, bearing the set-apart objects while the dwelling place was set up before they came. And the banner of the camp of the children of Ephraim departed according to their divisions, and over their army was Elishama, son of Amihud, and over the army of the tribe of the children of Manasseh was Gamliel, son of Hadatzer, and over the army of the tribe of the children of Binyamin was Abidan, son of Gedoni. Then the banner of the camp of the children of Dan, which formed the rear guard of all the camps, departed according to their divisions. And over their army was Ahiezer, son of Amishadai. And over the army of the tribe of the children of Asher was Pagiel, son of Okran. <laughs> and over the army of the tribe of the children of Naphtali was Ahira the son of Enon. Such was the order of setting out of the children of Yisrael, according to their divisions, when they departed. And Moshe said to Hobab, the son of Reuel, the Midianite, Moshe's father-in-law, We are setting out for the place of which Yahweh said, I give it to you. Come with us, and we shall do good to you, for Yahweh has spoken good concerning Yisrael. And he replied to, the, to him, I am not going, but I am going to my own land and to my relatives. Then he said, Please do not leave us, because you know how we are to camp in the wilderness, and you shall be our eyes. And it shall be when you go with us, then it shall be that whatever good Yahweh does to us, the same we shall do to you. So they set out from the mountain of Yahweh on a journey of three days, and the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh went before them for three days' journey to seek out a resting place for them. And the cloud of Yahweh was above them by day, and they went out from the camp. And it came to be, whenever the ark set out, that Moshe said, Rise up, O Yahweh, and let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Yahweh, to the countless thousands of Israel. To me, when that, first, when that chapter starts off, every time, 
my mind goes back to Yeshua's return, how the trumpets is going to blow, and what are we surrounded by? A great wall is going to fall. I believe when Yeshua comes back, there's going to be some stuff to take place, Papa. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. It's pretty cool when it says that they blow the trumpet sound, you know, and then where he gathers the congregation. And then 1 Corinthians 15, it says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. At the last trumpet. Where the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible <laughs> with their immortal body, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and the mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, the mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall we be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Also, um, in First Thessalonians, it says, um, But I would not have be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, you sorrow not, even as others do, which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep or are dead. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we that which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air, or shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we shall ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one, one another with these words. It's the hope of the resurrection. That last trump. When he gathers the whole congregation. I believe he's going to fulfill the prophecy of Joseph. And how he Joseph from the children. And how he had to defeat the, the nations that were surrounding Israel. That was coming up against Israel to bring them into the promised land. Yeah. Says that. You know, they're coming to the great wine press. And the blood will reach to the horse's bridle. And it's going to be pretty. The ones that come up against them are going to be, they're just going to be destroyed. And it says they're going to be destroyed by the words of his mouth. Yep. And it says where the dead bodies lie, there the vultures will gather. Because he also says, come, come. He calls, remember, he calls all the foul, the foul beasts and the birds of the air to come and feast on the, on the flesh of captains and kings. The, those are the yes, ones sir. that are. Huh? Yes, sir. Bird food. Yep. Bird food, dog food, whatever. Wolf food. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Israelites are going to be picking up bones for uh, seven months. 
and this is Ezekiel 39 or yeah, 37 or 30. I think it's 37. <laughs> what you got, Dustin? Uh, numbers 11. It says, and it came to be <clears throat> when the people were as complainers, it was evil in the ears of Yahuwah, and Yahuwah heard it, and his di displeasure burned, and the fire of Yahuwah burned among them, and consumed those in the outskirts of the camp. And the people cried out to Moshe, and Moshe prayed to Yahuwah, and the fire died down. And he called the name of the place Tabiara. <laughs> because the fire of Yahweh had burned among them. And the mixed multitude who were in their midst lusted greatly. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who is giving us meat or meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate without cost in Mitzrayim, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our being is dried up. There is not nothing to look at. But this manna, now the manna was like coriander seed and its appearance like the appearance of bedelium. People went out or went about and gathered it, ground it on millstones or beat it in the mortar and cooked it in a pot and made cakes of it. And its taste was as the taste of cakes baked with oil. And when the dew fell on the camp at the night or at night, the manna fell on it. And Moshe heard the people weeping throughout their clans, each man at the door of his tent, and the displeasure of Yahweh burned exceedingly. And in the eyes of Moshe, it was evil. So Moshe said to Yahweh, Why have you done evil to your servant? And why have I not found favor in your eyes to put the burden of all these people on me? Was it I who conceived all these people? Was it I who brought, for brought them forth? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as the foster father carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers. Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? For they weep before me, saying, give us meat to eat. I am unable to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. And if you are doing this to me, kill me. Please kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes and let me not see my evil. Then Yahweh said to Moshe, Gather to me seventy men of the elders of Yisrael, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of appointment, and let them stand there with you. And I shall come down and speak with you there, and shall take of the spirit that is on you and put on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you do not bear it alone, or bear it yourself alone. And say to the people, set yourselves apart for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat, because you have wept in the hearing of Yahuwah, saying, Who is giving us meat to eat? For it was well with us in Mitzrayim. And Yahuwah shall give you meat, and you shall eat. You are going to eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but for a month of days, until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes an abomination to you because you have rejected Yahuwah who is among you, 
and have wept before him, saying, Why did we come out of Mitzrayim or come up out of Mitzrayim? And Moshe said, The people in the in whose midst I am are six hundred thousand men on foot, and you, you have said, I give them meat to eat for a, a month of days. Could flocks and herds be slain for them to be sufficient for them? Or could all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to be sufficient for them? And Yahweh said to Moshe, Is the arm of Yahweh too short? Now see whether my word meets you or not. And Yahweh went out and spoke to spoke the words spoke to the people the words of Yahweh. And he gathered seventy men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. And Yahweh came down in the cloud and spoke to him. And took of the spirit that was upon him, and placed the same upon the seventy elders. And it came to be when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, but did not continue. However, two men had remained in the camp, the name of one, Eldad, and the name of the other one, Medad. And the spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those listed, but did not go out to the tent, and they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and informed Moshe, saying, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Yehoshua, son of Nun, Moshe's assistant from his youth, answered and said, Moshe, my master, forbid them. Then Moshe said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Oh, that all the people of Yahuwah were prophets, that Yahuwah would put his spirit upon them. And Moshe returned to the camp, both he and the elders of Yisrael. And a wind went forth from Yahuwah, and it brought quail from the sea, and let them fall beside the camp, about a day's journey on this side, and about a day's journey on the other side, all around the camp, and about two cubits above the surface of the ground. And the people were up all that day, and all that night, and all the next day, and gathered the quail. He who had least gathered ten homers, and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. The meat was still between their teeth before it was chewed, and the wrath of Yahweh burned against the people, and Yahweh struck the people with an exceeding great plague. Then he called the name of that place Hebroth Hata'ava, because here they buried the people who had lusted. From Kibroth Hata'ava, the people set out for Hatzeroth, and they were at Hatzeroth. So they received the spirit, huh? Yeah. Hmm. It's like people at Pentecost. So that wasn't the first time that they received the spirit at Pentecost. It's funny how they go and tell on Eldad me dead. <laughs> Moses, they're over there prophesying. <laughs> Wake up, peeps. Everybody's so quiet tonight. Oh, mom, I should have reset my internet before I ever even started this. I can't. Because it's noisy. really hear you. But I know that it's not just you. It's It's got to be my phone because 
if I uh, unmute this computer, I can hear you. I'll just switch to the computer. Also, um, it's like when um, Jesus comes back, he's going to rule the nations with an iron rod. This is kind of like that scenario. You know, Moses was ruling, but he had 70 elders. He sent 70 elders out into the camp. You know, to help him out, to work for Moses and Aaron. Because he's graceful. He's merciful. That's right. That's right. Where'd Ryan and uh, Seth go? I don't know where Seth went, but Ryan said that he had to go. Oh, okay. Yep, he's grace, you know, and he's merciful. Plus, you have the fact that other people that other people receive that spirit, El Dad and me, Dad, and they weren't part of the seventy. So that gives you some information right there that God is merciful. It's like you said that it goes to people who are actively seeking the father, you know, in his heart and they're seeking his ways, whether they be in Judaism or different of the 44,000 denominations of Christianity or whatever their, their situation might be. We can't never count out the father and the power that he, he has to change somebody's life. You know, I, I was talking to a couple of people today that they just wanted to humiliate me and say I was cherry picking verses. And I even came out and said the law, um, nobody's saved by the works of the law. You're saved by faith. And they still continue to heal, humiliate me. And I just, you know, let them know, like, you know, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the Most High, and I believe in Yeshua. I believe the redemptive work he did on that cross for me, for every person that's ever died. So we always have to keep that in mind. That God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whoso shall ever believe in him, shall not perish but shall be saved sometimes it just takes a little bit longer for that person to come around but it doesn't mean they don't you know doesn't mean that God's spirit isn't working in them is what I guess what I'm trying to say amen brother I'm sorry y'all 
somebody that come by him. I'm back. Oh, you're good, Miss Tammy. Dustin says something about writing you up or something. I don't know. If I'm... You didn't you didn't check in with him before you before you went out. So no, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I sorry. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> you have to get a hall pass, a Dustin hall pass, before we can no. <laughs> he was reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. What else you got, Dustin? Uh, did you find anything else in there? You see anything, anybody? Sure, next year when we go over it, we'll we'll have more. We learn more and more each and every time. Each time my door faced, I learn more about that face. Yep. Every year that you go through these portions, it just seems like the next year something else might jump out or. Mm -hmm. That's why we just keep doing it over and over and over. Yep. We can get know the we get to know the father better. I'm sorry, y'all. I was muted. <laughs> <laughs> I well, I've I'm been over here responding. Yeah, he said hall pass, and I laughed. I said, "Ha ha ha!" Very funny. <laughs> I got good lord. Can y'all hear me well? Yes. Okay. I'm I'm yeah. I'm using the microphone. That's why I didn't realize I was muted because there's a mute button on the microphone and it was unmuted, but Zoom was not. Sound way better. Sounds way more clear. Because I'm using the mm -hmm. microphone. I just yeah. I just, I just turned my phone off because yeah. You're you sound, I can hear you on my computer, but for some reason my, my phone's not, I don't know, and I'm on the same Wi-Fi. I should have reset it before I, before I started, but I didn't. Anyways. Just awesome how he just put his spirit. And see... That's something I want to bring out too. That I get it when that when people talk about the Trinity, I understand where they're coming from. That they're always relating the Holy Spirit as a a He, you know, because it's the Father's Spirit that He pours upon that He He gives to people. Just like in First Corinthians or Second Corinthians one twenty two, that we receive a earnest or a down payment or a guarantee you know not a full payment but a guarantee of that spirit yeah for for those that are seeking the father because it helps us because without that spirit you can't do anything there's nothing you can do mm -hmm. that's why you know yeshua said i'm going to send a comforter and he will guide you into all spirit. You know, in the Bible. <laughs> Go ahead, Miss Tammy. Sorry. You know, in the Bible, where it says that no one can come to the Father, not let, or come to Yeshua, not let they've been drawn by the Father first. 
Yep, that's that spirit. Yep, I agree that's with you. And, and you know what? Some of the people in the Torah walk don't even realize that that's the Holy Spirit. It is the Father. The Spirit is the Father's Spirit. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeshua got a double portion of it. <laughs> that's know. why he was able to do all and the like miracles. But it's like you just said, you it, it's the spirit to reveal all things to man. You know? That's right. It's, uh, we're definitely learning every day we grow and you know we just gotta we just gotta stay active in that spirit. Because that's what, you know, that's his animation for us. He shows us things through his spirit. And also says in, in um, I think it's Romans 8, 11, it says, and the spirit of him that dwelleth in you. Wait a second. I'm not going to butcher this one. This is important. Um, it says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. So it's the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead. That's the spirit of Yahweh. That's the father. Because the, the Bible says the father raised up Yeshua or Jesus. So, and if that spirit dwells in us, when he gives us the earnest or the down payment of that spirit through our faith, because I'm seeing a lot of people out there that they don't have any faith. Just, just looking on like Facebook or TikTok or stuff like that, that there's people that don't even believe in God exists at all. They have zero faith, you know, and those are the people that we should be going out to try to settle the score with. You know, instead of trying to battle against other people that are already believers, they're just not at the same level as everybody else. Nobody's at the same level. We're all trying to learn. But we all we always get into these arguments where we're trying to fight about what we know. And and I think it's our job to go get the people out there that really don't believe and make them believers. Show them. Me and Michael was talking about this one day this week. Um, you know, I was it, when we was talking about it, the thought come to my mind where he said, "I didn't come for the well, but those that are sick that needs a physician." Yep, that's right. I don't know if you don't believe like I do. I'm going to have to sit down and, and tell you why you're wrong. Well, if you keep saying that and, and you follow in the Father, he'll stop you in your tracks <laughs> if you obey him. I mean, it would be, to me, trying to argue a, a point that basically both sides of the argument, you're not really getting anywhere. 
having discussions is better, but yeah, I think it'd be more worth it to go out and find somebody that really doesn't even believe in God and make that person a believer through God's spirit. That would be more gratifying than to argue with somebody who already believes. Because I'm not going to write off all these people. You know, God, they have some, some, uh, evidence that they believe so god's already working in their life right there but i'm watching people that don't believe at all i always comment on the where they put those put those uh, animated cartoons about the earth and the moon and all this stuff and these plans and everything i always comment on that and when you comment on those things you want to talk about some people that come after you that don't believe? There you go, right there. I, I probably have five or six of them just spewing out some, some, some of them are actually pretty nice, but most of them are spewing out some serious hatred. And I think those are the ones that, you know, are definitely worth preaching the gospel to. Because we just read that spirit dropped on Moses okay do I believe that just because me and my mom have difference in in belief beliefs that the spirit's not with her no I don't I don't believe it. I think that she has the spirit but I do think there's deceptions out there and you know doctrines of men and yes we're supposed to teach people about those too but but L dad and me dad had that spirit too so it's kind of like you know me and my mom. So we're both prophesying about the Lord. And then you got this other group of people that doesn't believe in anything. Don't even believe in God. And that's scary. There's a lot more of those people than we we realize. There's one on there. He he don't believe and he gets on there to debate people. And he like make Make me believe. Make me believe in the God you believe in. That's a challenge. Yeah. That's a challenge for, for believers. Hey, there you go. There's one right there. How well do you know your book? What can you say that's convincing to this this person that um, is calling people out, calling believers out, saying, hey, show me. Where's the evidence? There's plenty of evidence. I don't even know. I would have to prepare for that. Study to show thyself approved that I could show them facts and, you know, Dead Sea Scrolls in the book and, I mean, just stuff. Just I guess I got strong faith. I was just waking up in the morning and I believe wholeheartedly that that's a God. <laughs> Is that all oh. thanks for me? There's nothing that could ever change my mind about God's existence. Nothing. I wouldn't care if if 30,000 plagues fell upon me. I'd still believe there's a God. And that, that would be a purpose. There'd be some kind of purpose out of it, but 
What did the three brothers say in the fire? Even if he don't deliver us, he's still God. They didn't bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's statue, did they? Mm-mm. They say, even if we die today, he's still God, and we still ain't bowing to you. He Exactly, because he's the creator. He, you know, he's the potter, we're just the clay. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, that's it. There's nothing else to, there's nothing else to be said. You know, he's always God. If everybody, um, y'all let me know if I'm too loud. I'm, I've been trying to adjust this thing. You turn it up a little bit. Turn it up? Yeah. Is that better? A little bit more. Right there. Yes. Uh, all right. If everybody in the world believed the way that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, believed, it'd be you'd have a lot more people with faith. And the reason I say that is because, like, if you look at the the Torah observant movement or whatever Hebrew roots, whatever you want to call it. That's kind of how everybody got their start. Like, it was the, you know, the divine revelation, like, oh, okay, you know, there are actually laws that are in this Bible that you're supposed to follow. And you have everybody else in the world saying, well, you ain't, you ain't got to follow that. That's done away with. You're like, man, eh, it's not going to hurt me if I do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if, if people believe the same way as those three... Yeah. And the reason that they don't want you to believe that is because if you're right, then they're wrong and they have to change their life. That's the that's the biggest problem with people is they don't want to change. They don't right. want to change. And brother, if I'm wrong, I want somebody to tell me because yeah. <laughs> that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be fruit inspectors to other believers. Yeah. Because in, in second or uh Colossians two sixteen it says let no one judge you, therefore, meat and drink, expect of the holy days as new moon of the Sabbath, but the body of Christ. That's what that means. No, no one judge you for doing these things, but the body of Christ. So we are we are called to be fruit inspectors. We are we are called to love our neighbor and to love our neighbors. Say, hey man, maybe you shouldn't practice um, being a homosexual because to God it's. You know, it's wrong. But society has it today that if you call somebody out like that, you're going to be deemed a someone that hates people. Because it's opposite. It's what the world is teaching, which we live in Satan's system of things. But the Bible is teaching us that if we say something, hey, man, maybe you shouldn't steal from work. Or maybe you shouldn't lie, you know. And uh, that, you know, the, that thing uh, presented was presented to me probably about four months ago where these guys wanted me to lie for them at work. And I'm like, that's not the truth. I'm not talking about that. And they shut up. <laughs> I said, that's lying. I said, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to have part of that. They want me to tell a story about something that happened that they did. And. I said, I told him that, you know, the best policy is just tell them the truth. It was an accident. 
but they were trying to conceive a story that to where they wanted me to be a part of it because I was credible with the upper management and they weren't. So I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Cause that's what the world teaches. We're supposed I've, to love our neighbor. I've read Colossians two sixteen seven thousand times. Okay, I just, I just want to point yeah. this out. I've never realized that it says the body is of Christ, right? The word "is" is not in there. Is yeah. Let no one judge, but the body of Christ. Yeah, if you take out or, all the stuff in the middle, the, yeah. Let no man therefore judge you. But the body of Christ. If you take all that stuff out of there, that's literally what he's saying. Let no man judge you, but the body of Christ. Exactly what it's saying. But these new versions say, but the substance Oof. is of Christ. Oof. Oof. Let no one judge you because he's going into Colossians. He's going to Colossia. And they were doing angel worship. And he's pulling them out of that. And they're starting to do the feast days and stuff like that. And then I guarantee that the people that were still wrapped up in paganism were judging them for what they were doing. Because don't you get judged for keeping the Passover? Not being in Judaism? I know I do. So I'm not going to let anybody judge me, but Miss Tammy and, and Janie and you and, and my how son. Can, how, what? Go ahead, Miss Tammy. Say that again. I believe I was delaying it. A little bit. Can you hear me now? Yes, ma'am. Um, how you said, Dustin? It said, "Read it, read it again, Dustin." Slow. It says. It says the King James, but it says, "Let no man therefore judge you, in meat, or in drink." or in respect of an holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. But that word is is not in there. So it would be, if you take 2.16 and 2.17, take all of the stuff in the middle out, just take the first part and the, and the last part, it literally reads like this. Let no man therefore judge you, but the body of Christ. Or you can say, or the substance of Christ, which would be the body. Yeah. You talk, what, I'm just saying the way I see it. Um, when you said that, what came to my mind was, how can the body of Yeshua judge us? And it came to my mind, his body was ripped. The veil was torn. His body was ripped so we can come in. If you That's don't right. come in, that body's going to judge you. Now, I could be wrong, but that's what I just got from what you just read. So you have people, it's like today, um, you'll have people judging you how to keep Passover who are to say in Judaism, they don't even like you keeping Passover for one, and they say when you do it, when you are doing it, you're doing it wrong because you're you're not doing a 
you know, some people do a Seder or whatever. I don't see that in the Bible. It just tells me to eat the lamb, the the bitter herbs, and the unleavened bread. And you'll have people come out and say, you can't do that. Well, that's what the Bible says. So if they're part of the body of Christ, then, you know, I guess we'll be doing what the Bible says instead of what tradition says. Or if we want to keep Passover, I have people that I used to go to church with. They're like, why are you doing that? Well, I'm not going to let that person judge me because I'm just going to let y'all judge me on how we do it. You know, like I would take, like if you guys see me and go, hey, Jimmy, you might want to think about doing this or whatever. Oh, I never saw that before. I'm going to take you, I'm going to take you up on your word. I was going to add, I'm not going to. Go ahead. Um, I think that it also includes. I I still believe that that passage still includes. It's not just talking about like, let no pagan judge you. I think that still includes people in Judaism because you got to remember yeah. all throughout Paul's letters, he's dealing with the same, uh, the proselytization party, the circumcision party. Right. They're trying to, you know, well, you can't do this and you have to do this and you can't do this and you have to do that. And we see it today, just like you just said, where people were talking about, well, you got to eat the Seder meal. No, no, you don't. Not in there. Yeah. Where's, where's that in there? What's the Bible say? <laughs> I don't think they ate the Seder meal back then. I think that was a, that was something that developed over, you know, the past. I know they didn't eat the Seder meal. Yeah. 2300 years. You have Philo of Alexandria and you have, um, Flavius Josephus both giving accounts all the way through and they were still doing the Passover slaughterings you have um, it even speaks right. of if you go through some of the Mishnah it even talks about um, I can't remember the individual's name but he was a rabbi that was after the destruction of the temple and for, for years after that he kept going back to that same location and offering uh, Passover lamb and the reason that they say that that is acceptable is because, well, you know, you could have, uh, he could have remembered where the altar location was. No, it doesn't matter. You bring, <laughs> let's go back to again, Exodus 20. You take a mound of dirt. And at that point, they were going back to Jerusalem, you know, the three appointed times. At that point, as long as you went back to Jerusalem in that, you know, in that area, and did the Passover, it didn't matter whether it was on the anointed altar or whether you took a mound of dirt and offered the sacrifice of that Passover lamb. As long as you did the but, Passover lamb, there right. wasn't about no Seder. It's like uh, Tobit. He he kept the Passover, and he was in captivity. Just like Miss Tammy said, uh, uh, Meshach, Abednego, what's the, what's the first one's name? Shadrach. Shadrach. I can never remember. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, I do believe that they were probably keeping their feasts in a foreign land the best they could. So you can't, you know, Judaism can't say that. Because we have evidence. You know, we actually have evidence that it says that Christianity can't say that. We got the Bible. 
you got the Bible as evidence for for everybody. Hey, look what it says right here. Yeah. I don't see Easter and I don't see Seder meal. Sorry. <laughs> and I don't see where you have to keep a 13th month. You know, we have to add a 13th month and just to keep the feast day straight. I do see a Zadok calendar that that actually they found in the Dead Sea Scrolls that is the most accurate calendar to this day. But nobody wants to accept it because people are still steeped in, in traditions. Nobody wants to look at it. I mean, until we can have a conversation about it. Kind of beating a dead horse. So... Good stuff. Numbers 12. All right. Thank God numbers is going on long today. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> now Miriam and Aaron. Now Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moshe because of the Cushite woman. Whom he had taken, for he had taken a Cushite woman. And they said, Has Yahweh spoken only through Moshe? Has he not also spoken through us? And Yahweh heard it. And the man Moshe was very humble, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly Yahweh said to Moshe and Aaron and Miriam, You three, come out of the tent of appointment. So the three came out. And Yahweh came down in the column of the cloud, or in the column of cloud, and stood in the door of the tent of appointment or in the tent, and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward, and he said, Hear now my words. If your prophet is of Yahuwah, I make myself known to him in a vision, and I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moshe. He is trustworthy in all my house. I speak with him mouth to mouth, and plainly, and not in riddles, and he sees the form of Yahuwah. So why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moshe? And the displeasure of Yahweh burned against them, and he left. And the cloud turned away from above the tent, and look, Miriam was leprous and white as snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and look, a leper. And Aaron said to Moshe, O my master, please do not hold against us the sin in which we have foolishly done and in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead when coming out of his mother's womb, and with his flesh half consumed. And Moshe cried out to Yahuwah, saying, O El, please hear, heal her, please. And Yahuwah said to Moshe, If her father had but spit in her face, would she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and after that let her be readmitted. And Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people did not set out until Miriam was readmitted. And afterward the people departed from Hatseroth, and they camped in the wilderness of Paran. Uh, there's a couple of things there, but it's going to make it go long. I'll talk about it afterwards. I just want to talk about one thing where it talks about uh, mentioning um, um, it's either dark speech or parables. And you know what I'm saying? He spoke directly to Moses. It just reminded me of 
Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and parables and stuff. Yeah. Plus it said that he spoke to him in his form. Right. So anyhow. <laughs> mouth to mouth in his form. That's what I'm saying. Well yeah. All right, read read your version because mine says something different. That passage. Uh, it's chapter it is, 8 uh, numbers 12 uh, 8 yeah I speak with him mouth to mouth and plainly and not in riddles and he sees the form of Yahuwah right and not in riddles is what I'm saying riddles is something you have to figure out through somebody else's speech it's like a story yeah that's what I, that's what I was getting at is he, Yeshua would speak to him through parables, and but he would speak to his disciples plainly. He said, are you also without understanding? You know? And then he, remember when he talks about the, uh, he talks about the field, or the, the end of the age, and the, you know, the field is the, the angels of the reapers, and the field is the earth. And he has to explain it to him in detail. He's like, are you also also without understanding? And he's like, oh, gosh, I got to explain this to you. <laughs> because the father spoke to him, but he turned around to his disciples and spoke to them. Had to, had to let them know what the parable meant. But he was speaking to his disciples in parables, too. But when they didn't understand, he would break it down for them. That's all I got. You won't have to edit too much. I gotta edit all of it. Um, I wouldn't edit anything tonight. I might not. Depends on how long it goes. Right. And four. Um, we got. But no. D d numbers twelve, verse eight. You look that up because I'm pretty sure yours says. Uh, I speak with him directly. It makes it seem like in a direct statement, right? Right. Because he's talking about the riddles uh, or plainly riddles. If you look that up, it it's it literally means mouth to mouth. Yeah, mine says even uh, and mine says I will speak to him mouth to mouth. Okay. Even apparently, and not in dark speeches. Or that other word for dark speeches is riddles. Riddles, yeah, mine says riddles. And right. he sees the form of Yahweh. Yeah. That's always, always stood out to me. But anyways, we're going to go to Zechariah. <laughs> Zechariah it is. Zechariah too. Zechariah. <clears throat> it's 10 through 
chapter four, verse seven. So it's not terribly long, but it says, Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for look, I am coming and shall dwell in your midst, declares Yahuwah. And many nations shall be joined to Yahuwah in that day, and they shall become my people, and I shall dwell in your midst. And you shall know that Yahuwah of hosts has sent me to you. And Yahuwah shall inherit Yehuda, his portion in the set-apart land. And he shall again choose Yerushalayim, hush all flesh before Yahuwah, for he has roused himself out of his set-apart dwelling. And he showed me Yehoshua, the high priest, standing before the messenger of Yahuwah, and Satan standing at his right hand to be an adversary to him. And Yahuwah said to Satan, Yahuwah rebuke you, Satan. Yahuwah who has chosen Yerushalayim rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? And Yehoshua was dressed in filthy garments and was standing before the messenger. And he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your guilt from you, and shall put costly robes on you. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. Then they put a clean turban on his head, and they put garments on him. And the messenger of Yahuwah stood by him. And the messenger of Yahuwah witnessed to Yahushua, saying, Thus said Yahuwah of hosts, if you walk in my ways, and if you guard my duty, then you shall also rule my house, and also guard my courts. And I shall give you access among these standing here. Now listen, Yehoshua the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are men of symbol. For look, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. See the stone which I have put before Yehoshua. On one stone are seven eyes. See, I am engraving it, its inscription, declares Yahuwah of hosts, and I shall remove the guilt of that land in one day. In that day, declares Yahuwah of hosts, you shall invite one another under the vine and under the fig tree. And the messenger who was speaking to me came back and woke me up as a man is awakened from sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? So I said, I have looked and see a lampstand all of gold with a bowl on top of it, and on the, on the stand seven lamps with seven spouts to the seven lamps, and two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. Then I responded and spoke to the messenger who was speaking to me, saying, What are these, my master? And the messenger who was speaking to me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my master. And he answered and said to me, This is the word of Yahweh to Zerubbabel, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, said Yahuwah of hosts. Who are you, great mountain, before Zerubbabel? A plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of favor, favor to it. Oh. Do you think that the, uh, the two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side thereof, those are the two witnesses in Revelation? Kind of. That's what I think. Like they're the two, 
two witnesses um, are the two houses, Judah and Israel. Wasn't Zerubbabel was he was he in the captivity of Babylon or in Zerubbabel? That he was in. Uh, was he taken away to Assyria? I have to look that up. Um, Zerubbabel was Babylon. Uh, trying to remember. It was Babylon. Yeah. Uh, he was born in Babylon during the exile. Okay. Okay. Definitely an important figure. I always say that portion that you read about the whole duty of man that we, you know, we're supposed to keep the whole duty of man. My mind always goes back to Micah 6 8. Is that in your half toil portion, Papa? It is not. That would go good with it. Six eight. I think it's it's either like six eight or eight six. I know it's them two numbers. Well, it's got to be six eight. I don't think there is a Micah eight. Also, uh, it mentions the branch in here too, which is Yeshua. The branch is Yeshua. Yes. Yes. Um, it says he has shown you, O oh man, what is good. What does Yahweh require of you? but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's uh, Micah 6, 8. And then Miss Tammy also said, uh, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, which says, let us hear the whole conclusion of the whole matter. Hear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of men. You could put that in so next year you could put them two in your half um, portion. Yeah, Dustin, we don't have to stick to tradition. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I'm not. <laughs> We're about to read I'm, the apocalypse I, of I, Abraham. <laughs> I, that's what, I, I need to get that book. <laughs> I'll send you uh, I'll send you a link. Just get the entire pseudepigrapher. There's stuff in there that's not really it doesn't like it's got like the book of Adam and Eve and stuff like that, but I don't know. I, I don't was gonna ask you that if it had that. I don't mind flipping through that to get to where I need to go though. Um <laughs> I got you. plus it's good to have it if somebody, you know. 
Somebody wanted to sit down and break apart and underline all the stuff where it's absolutely not biblical. Good to have it. Um. Anyways, right. we're going to go to uh, Joel 2. And then we'll read the Apocalypse of Abraham. It says, Blow a shofar in Sion, and sound an alarm in my set-apart mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the earth tremble, for the day of Yahweh is coming, for it is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people many and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor shall ever or there ever be again after them, to the years of many generations. Ahead of them a fire has consumed, and behind them a flame burns. Before them is the land like the Garden of Eden, and behind them a desert waste. And from them there is no escape. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and they run like steeds. As the noise of chariots, they leap over mountaintops. As the noise of a flaming fire consuming stubble. As a mighty people set in battle array. Before them, peoples are in anguish. All faces become flushed. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of battle. Everyone goes on his way, and they do not break ranks. And they do not press one another. Everyone goes in his path. They fall among the weapons, but they do not stop. They rush on the city. They rush on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. The earth shall tremble before them. The heavens shall shake. The sun and moon shall be darkened, and the stars withdraw their brightness. And Yahweh shall give forth his voice before his army. For his camp is very great, for mighty is the doer of his word. For the day of Yahweh is great and very awesome, and who does bear it? What do you think the army is? I think it's angels. I was going to say it's his angels. Talks about yeah. you know, behind them the flaming fire. Talks about... With the noise of chariots, they I mean they could be riding the horses. You got the horsemen in Revelation. Right. Let's see if a Messiah's coming back on a horse. Yep. Revelation nineteen eleven. Yep. I'll never forget that passage because that's my favorite gun. <laughs> <laughs> nineteen eleven. Um yeah. His army, his camp is very great. Every time you hear the the passage talking, or any any time that it says uh, Yahweh of hosts or Lord of hosts, go back to this passage. It talks about how mighty they are. The Reapers. And Exodus 15.3. Because Yah is a warrior. And it says they fall among weapons, but they do not stop. So, Right. <laughs> they're, they're immortal. And they enter at the windows like a thief. You know, coming like a thief in the night. wonder what they're trying to steal. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
the dead in Christ first, and then those who remain alive. And then a bunch of very bad stuff's going to happen to the rest of the people. Mm -hmm. Let me swap. Yeah, this book has a lot of stuff in it, though. It's a two-part book. It did. I don't think it cost me much at all. It's got the treatise or treatise of Shem, the Apocryphon of Ezekiel. It's just in here. Apocalypse of Zephaniah. Which is apparently really long. Uh, the fourth book of Ezra. And just part of second Ezra's. The Greek apocalypse of Ezra. The vision of Ezra. Does it got a second verse? Yeah. 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 Okay. It's, got, it's got like everything, man. What's it called? It's just the Old Testament pseudepigrapha. It's a two volume set. And there's some right. thick books. But yeah, it's got second Baruch, third Baruch. Apocalypse Abraham, that's where we're going. Which I've got, I'll send the link for this later where you guys can look at it online. All right, it says, And then I, I sound the trumpet out of the air, and I will send my chosen one, having in him one measure of all my power, and he will summon my people, humiliated by the heathen, and I will burn with fire those who mocked them and ruled over them in this age, and I will deliver those who, who have covered me with mockery over to the scorn of the coming age because I have prepared them to be food for the fire of Hades and to be ceaseless soaring in the air of the underworld regions of the uttermost depths to be the contents of a wormy belly for the makers will see them or see in them justice. The makers who have chosen my desire and manifestly kept my commandments and they will rejoice with merrymaking over the downfall of the men who remain and who followed after the idols and after their murders. For they shall putrefy in the belly of the crafty worm Azazel and be burned by the fire of Azazel's tongue. For I waited so they might come to me, and they did not deign to, and they glorified an alien god, a foreign god, and they joined one to whom they had not been allotted, and they abandoned the Lord who gave them strength. Wow. Talking about re redeeming his people, though. Yes. Redemption of the people. And then this one, I'll go back to the HCSB. Second Kings 4. 
verse 38 through 44. It says, When Elisha returned to Gilgal, there was a famine in the land. The sons of the prophets were sitting at his feet. He said to his attendant, Put on the large pot and make stew for the sons of the prophets. One went out to the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine from which he gathered as many wild gourds as his garment would hold. Then he came back and cut them up into the pot of stew, but they were unaware of what they were. They served some for the men to eat, but when they ate the stew, they cried out, There's death in the pot, man of God, and they were unable to eat it. Then Elisha said, Come, or, or get some meal. He threw it into the pot and said, Serve it for the people to eat, and there was nothing bad in the pot. A man from Baal Shalishah came to the man of God with his sack full of twenty loaves of barley bread from the first bread of the harvest. Elisha said, Give it to the people to eat. But Elisha's attendant asked, What, am I to set twenty loaves before one hundred men? Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. For this is what the Lord says, They will eat and they will have some left over. So he gave it to them, and as the Lord promised, they ate and had some left over. Like five thousand two loaves of bread. What two fish and three loaves of bread? Yeah, I was gonna say we're gonna read that next. <laughs> uh, I think that's actually probably the third time we've read that in a portion. Yeah. It wasn't too long ago either. I mean, anytime there's something that goes along with it, I just throw it in here. All that all that stuff that's in the bottom left-hand side and the apocalypse of Abraham, stuff like that, extra biblical text. Um, I add those to the portion. So I'll read through. Sometimes I'll read it all. Sometimes I'll just read a few parts of it. But if I catch something that reminds me of something else, I'll throw it in here. All right, we're going to go to Matthew 14. That's 14 through 21. As he stepped ashore, he saw a huge crowd, felt compassion for them, and healed their sick. When evening came, the disciples approached him and said, This place is a wilderness, and it is already late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. They don't need to go away, Jesus told them. You give them something to eat. 
Well, we only have five loaves and two fish here, they said to him. Bring them here to me, he said. Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate and was filled. Then they picked up twelve baskets full of leftover pieces. Now those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Well, there were more than just five thousand. Either way, that's a lot of people. <laughs> we got Matthew 24, 29 through 31, which says this, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not shed its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the celestial powers will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the others. And then we got 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 6. It said, Now I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from a spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But God was not pleased with most of them, for they were struck down in the wilderness. Now these things became examples for us, so that we will not desire evil things as they did. And that's the end of the portion. <laughs> 